Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. We've been talking about a lot of things really in this series. We kind of looped it all together in one. Uh, Sex, drugs, money, more. We started out by talking about more, that we're always longing for more, that no matter how much we're fulfilled, there's always more that we want. And, And I've been encouraging you that this is in us from a young age, man. My son... You know, he always wants more. I, 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 I go with it. Hey, if you know, if you clean your room, you know, I'll, I'll get you a toy. You know, I, I break down. I know the Dollar Tree is in my back pocket, so it's going to cost me a dollar. And then he knows, you know, he starts cleaning and he's like, hey, dad, can I get two toys? And then I'm like, no, you can just get it was not one toy, not enough. And there's just this more inside of us that we have to have more, no matter what we have. And uh, we, we've been just talking about this. We, we moved into a time of talking about singleness and that singleness is not a disease. Do we have any single people in the house? Come on. Meaning you're not married. I know some of you didn't, didn't advertise, but come on, put your hand up. Come on. We got any single men? All the single men stand up. Come on and see all my single men in the house. There you are. Come on, flex, advertise put up a poster, you know, just kidding. don't do it. Don't do it. we got any single ladies, all the single ladies. All, let me see you. Come on, single ladies right there. Hey, we got any married folk. Come on. You're married and you're happy. Come on. Shout, shout about it. Come on. We got some married, a few married people in the house. People are doing like married waves. Like that's, that's a newly married wave right there. I don't, that's some kind of new wave right there. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, we've just been talking about this. I I discovered through counseling married people uh, that a lot of married people never learned how to be a single person. And and most of my talks with married couples or counseling sessions or when someone gets married, like uh, whenever someone gets married in our church and they want us to marry them, we, we have them walk through eight weeks of counseling before we ever enter into marriage. We'd go through this book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And it just, I mean, it's like the seven things that someone never told me that I'm going through on steroids. And we just do that with, and we find, I've, I've actually been in counseling sessions with people that were going to get married and they decided not to get married. In the middle of the session, they're like, yeah, I don't think we're ready yet. Like, we need to go be better at being single for a while before we enter into bringing life together and then bringing kids to this bus. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, if you're married, this is not just for the single people. This is for all of us because really most of the things that I'm giving you, I'm learned, I've learned in marriage and wish I would have learned when I was single. So uh, we've been going through this. I said the seven things that someone, I wish someone would have told me when I was single. And the first thing was, if you remember, anybody been here, what was the first thing that I told you? Deepen your relationship with God. That's, that's number one. And you say, you know, I, I knew you'd tell us that. You're a pastor. That's what every pastor says. But we're, we're, we, we want to focus in on what this is saying. Like, I know you know this, but, but have you been walking in this? To deepen, to, to, to not just go deep with God, because we all want to go deep. Like, you, you got those people that are like, man, I'm in deep with God. And they're no earthly good, you know. We're, we're talking about going deeper with God, wherever you're at. What, this is a journey. If, if, you're, if you're at step one, take step two, right? If you're at step three, take step four. They, they, they just go deeper with, not just to go deep, but deepen your relationship with God, you know? It's funny that we are going to go spend eternity with God, yet we can't spend five minutes with him. 
You know, it's kind of weird. We're, I can't wait to spend eternity with you. Well, can, you. can we hang out right now? Like, we could get on a phone call right now. It's called prayer. And we can, we can walk, but you're too busy, like, for me. So, so I, I think no matter where we're at, we can deepen our relationship with God. So if you're married or single, before you try to deepen your relationship with others, start deepening your relationship with God, right? And then, we, and then we said the next thing. What was the next thing? Anybody remember what we said next? Number two. They've got some people taking notes. See, if you're looking for a wife, I think there's some girls over here that are taking notes. The Bible says he who finds a girlfriend finds a good thing. No, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And so you got to be a wife before you become a girlfriend. Amen. Praise God. And uh, be a whole person. Be a whole person that, that, that no one else is going to make you whole. In fact, today... I said this earlier, but it's not my other half that's not here. In fact, my wife and our band are stuck in Louisiana. Uh, our, our, a lot of the guys that play, and we had to call a whole bunch of guys together late at night last night for a emergency band practice, and they did incredible today. Come on. They, they, they had like 9 o'clock at night. They started practicing songs and had it for us. My wife is there. We've been teaching this together. So I, I don't say my, my better half. I say my better whole is not here because she's a whole and I'm a whole, right? And we're together whole. We can, we, you can talk to me, have a conversation with me. I can have a relationship with God without my wife. We are whole people alone. But when we get together, now, now we start multiplying. If you multiply two halves, you get less than a whole. So, so man, we, we want you to just say, you know what, God? Before I need, I don't need another half. I, I need to be whole. And then you're going you're gonna to give me the confidence and the courage to look for other whole people in my life instead of saying, oh, well, he completes me in these five ways. He doesn't have all this, but, you know, I got all that. So we're just going to get together and we're going to make a, a, a concoction. And how many guys know, uh, you know, you could have chemicals, but you put the wrong chemicals together and you could have an explosion. And many of us have had those. We have burns and scars from those explosions. It's because we're trying to put things together. When God says, I, I want to put you together. I want you to pick together so you are whole all by yourself. You're whole in me. And then number three, we said last week, guard your heart. We talked about guarding our heart. Not, not hardening our heart, but guarding our heart. Not to, not to get caught up in these fantasies. You know, Christy said this last week. You know, she had a girl tell her, there was a guy that opened the door for me. And Chrissy's like, yeah? And she goes, I think, I think he likes me. I think, I think, we, I think this could be something. I mean, what do you think? And my wife's like, I think he opened the door for you. I think it was chivalry. I think, praise God, we have some men of God that open doors. I mean, you know, sometimes she was saying, sometimes we all get into these fantasies. We've built this relationship, and then when it's torn apart, it's like you're emotional, you're distraught, and it's like you weren't even really dating, but you already were married. You already had four kids, and you lived in Glendale. It, all in your head. <laughs> right? That's where everyone goes when they get married. Just go to Glendale or OC. You have to give up on your arts district dreams. You know what I'm just saying? <laughs> so we talked about guarding your heart, guarding your heart, protecting marriage, honoring marriage. If you're a single person... Don't be getting all up in married people's business. If you're a single lady and there's a married man you're getting counseling from, be cautious about that. If you're encouraging marrieds, like be cautious of encouraging the opposite sex that's married. You don't know how long it's been since their wife encouraged them, since their husband encouraged them. Be cautious of your hugs. 
guard marriage. If we want to honor marriage in this church, we want married people to be married for a lifetime, amen, to, to have their kids not have to go through the divorce that maybe you went through, amen? So we're going to guard that. We're going to honor marriage. We're going we're to treat it as something special. And, and if you're married, guard that marriage. Don't be caught giving some single girl advice. It's like, wow, thanks for that advice. You're like, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Like, no, guard that. There's a reason why when I travel and speak, I bring someone with me. I'm guarding my marriage. I'm guarding. I want to be married for a lifetime. This is not easy. The devil hates my marriage to my wife. He hates it because it represents our marriage to Jesus. It is a reflection of that. And so guard marriage, guard your heart. And the thing I want to bring to you today is, if you're taking notes, uh, create a habit of joy. Develop a habit of joy. If you're going to be married Man, there is nothing worse than being married to someone that's a killjoy. There is nothing worse than being married to someone who is never happy. You ever ever been around someone that's never happy? It's like, God, you like pour something in and it's like the cup has a hole in it. Like I keep pouring it in and every time I pour it in, then it's dripping. I got to keep pouring. I'm like, I can't keep. I I told you you you're beautiful yesterday and I still believe it today. Right? I mean, there's, there's a point to, to where, where if we don't learn how to develop happiness, a habit of joy, right? I said happiness on accident. I, I don't want you to develop a habit of happiness because happiness is based on what happens to you. I want you to develop a habit of joy. Like it is your natural habit to break out in joy. Now, I got to be honest with you. Out of my family, I'm the killjoy. I'm the one that, out of my family, Christy is, she is, like, happy all the time. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with her. I'm like, you are always happy. Like, why are you so joyful all the time? Like, that is her. Like, she's just smiles. She gets over things quick. She, like, forgives. Like, I'm the guy that I'm like, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what's going on with this? Like, this is stressful. This is... In fact, last year, it got to me so bad, I had to take 40 days off from everything I did because I had developed a habit of being negative. I don't know, I don't know if, 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 if they're, you know, and it's funny that I have to preach this alone because here I am, and Christy's probably like, amen, amen, praise God. She's online watching, right? Because I, uh, that is me. Like, if it's gonna be negative or positive, I'm gonna think, I can't look at Google in the middle of the night when I get a bump on my neck. I'm like, dude, I'm dying. Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I'm gonna die. This bump, it's just gonna grow. And Christy's like, you got bit by a mosquito. Like, like you're gonna be okay. Like, her natural thought is that it's gonna be okay. And my natural thought is, we're all gonna die. That, that's, that's my natural thought. Can I get a witness? Do I have anybody that's on my boat? I mean, we need to get off that boat, but just... We're in church, so we might as well be honest. That's me. It's like, it's like the water's coming down the mountain, and it always it comes down, and then as soon as it hits that spot, it goes, I'm going right. It, it just every time, I'm, you know, I'm going right. And this is what a habit is. A habit is a rut that has been worn into the path over and over again to the point where you actually lose the ability to make a choice. You see, some of us think we're just going to choose our way out of it. Like, I'm just going to choose to be joyful today. And, 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 and then it happens. And there's like this thing that takes over. And you don't, you don't know how to control it anymore. Because as soon as it hits that spot, it always goes right. Now, if you could, if you could right now 
for one week, I gave you homework, and you could record your thoughts for one week. Because it's not really the words you say. It's the thoughts you think that we're going to be accountable for. The Bible says that we are going to be judged for every idle word. Not even just the negative ones. What's idle? When you put your car in idle, is it moving forward? Is it moving backward? It's just right there. We are going to be judged for every idle thought. Every thought that we allowed to sit in this brain that we gave life to, that we let live there, that did not move us forward or backwards, just the stuff that just kept us where we're at. This convicts me. I got to somehow change this in my life. And if at some moment I have no choice, uh, Paul said it like this. He said, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And every time I try to do the things I want to do, I don't do it. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Or we could say, who will rescue me from these habits I'm addicted to? Who will rescue me from this thought process that I'm stuck in? Man, I just keep every time, every single time. And what I see as the key for us is we have to go to the place before we lose the ability to choose and we have to begin to dig a new path we have to stick our shovels in the ground on the halfway up the mountain and we have to say it's going to be some work but but i'm i'm making a choice today before i lose choice that i'm going to override who i used to be and i'm going to ask god to transform my thinking into i want i want when things happen for me to think of joy instead of think of gloom and doom i want to think of being fearless not being fearful i, I want to think of faith and walk in that I, I don't know if that's you but that's me man i, I want that in my life and a desire that in my life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. I love that he says everything and sin. I, I used to just think it was sin that's entangling me, but it, there's also other things, habits, Ideas that are entangled me and slowing me down in the race God has called me to. My thoughts, those negative thoughts, those things, the, the habits I have of not stirring up joy in my life. And run the race that has been marked out with us. Look at this, fixing our eyes. This is the key part of this whole verse. Fixing our eyes on Jesus negativity is not about what you're going through. It's about where your eyes are at while you're going through it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. In other words, Jesus is not just telling you what to do. He's not just knowledge. He's wisdom. He's walked out the knowledge he's giving. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand throne of God. Consider him, think of Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Who the joy, I love that part, who the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross was so difficult that Jesus is in the garden and he's, he's, He's crying and sweating like blood. Like 
he, it's, it's, it, his body is breaking down from the emotional pain he's about to walk through. He says, God, there's got to be another way. There's got to be a way out. And he says, no, at your will, God, I'm going to go. But you know, in that moment, I believe that when he said that, he saw the joy of the Father in what they were walking him through. He said, I can get through anything as long as I keep my eyes on the place that my help comes from. I know your eyes are down here. I know you're, it's hard to get your eyes off your apartment that's too small. I know it's hard to get your eyes off your boss who keeps cursing you out. I know it's hard to get your eyes off your business that's failing or the relationships that are following apart. But God says, get your eyes on the throne. Get your eyes on the joy and you will be able to get through any pain, any circumstance. He said, look at the pioneer who has been before you. If he could get through the cross by doing it, what in the world can't stop hmm. not just the cross death hell and the cross if, if he could defeat death by looking at joy then what can stop us if we get our eyes on joy the the bible the bible is 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 very clear in philippians it's it says rejoice philippians 4 4 it says rejoice in the lord and then it says this word always you see that word underline it highlight it Take it in. Look, look, you, you, you don't, you don't, you're, you're not what you eat. I know people say that. If you eat a burger, you're a burger. <laughs> you're what you digest. So your body becomes what you digest. Whatever you don't digest doesn't become you. So what we need to start praying is, God, don't let me digest the fat. Praise God. Right? But, but if, 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 you, if you don't underline this, if you don't circle this, if you don't let it become you, then you're just, you're eating this and you're not becoming it. But if you eat this and digest it, if you, if you actually swallow it, I know this is like steak, not meat, but, but the Bible says rejoice in the Lord when? When does it say to rejoice in the Lord? Come on, choir, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says this, and again, I will say it again, rejoice. From this scripture, I can tell that when God calls us to rejoice, it's not just about if we want to get our eyes there. It's actually a command. This is, this is not, this is not, hey, you know, if you feel like it, you know, sometimes when things are going good, you know, it'd be nice if you kind of rejoiced every once in a while. Now, this is like God is like rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. And then he goes, and let me say it again. Just in case you missed it, just in case you didn't hear that, rejoice. You know, there is no other commandment in the Bible that he does that. That tells me the importance of this. Like, like I, I get that do not murder is a command, right? Do not murder, so we don't murder. But not even that one. God doesn't say do not murder. Oh, let me, let me say it again. Don't murder, just in case you didn't hear me. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. Oh, yeah, let me just say it one more time. Don't cover your neighbor's wife. In this command... He actually knows that you're not going to hear him. He knows that the first time he says it, you're going to be like, oh, he didn't mean always. He didn't mean every time. He could have got that word wrong. And you're chewing on this and not digesting it. But if you digest this thing, you will become the word it's calling you to be. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it again. Rejoice. It's a command. And the command is not because God needs you to rejoice. The Bible, God is clear. If you don't rejoice, the rocks will cry out. I don't need your joy. The sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down to me. You need 
to rejoice me. You need Joyce because my Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you feeling weak. Some of you feel like you can't make it one more day. I can tell you it's because you're just like me. You keep getting into that negative rut. You keep thinking those idle words over your life and you speak them into existence. As soon as you agree with them, you've digested them and now you start becoming them. And I came to serve notice on those idle words today and I said it's time to press the gas pedal in your life and believe that God has a plan for you and a destiny for you and it doesn't matter what you're going through, walking through, if you put your eyes on him, he'll turn the cross into something people represent for a lifetime. Look at what Jesus did with the cross. The cross wasn't a positive thing. There was no one in Roman history wearing a cross necklace. There was no one who would put a cross on their building. There was no one who would tattoo a cross on their neck. But because Jesus looked at joy when he walked through the cross, he turned it into a symbol of life, not death. I wonder what would happen to the things you're walking through right now. If you said, I'm getting my eyes on the Lord. I'm getting out of this habit of... You ever been around someone in a habit of negativity? Oh, it's like they suck the life out of you. And I'm realizing I'm one of those people. It's like, they're like vampire Christians. Come, and you're like, what are you doing? Taking the life out of you. It's never going to be enough. No matter how many times you tell me, it's never going to be enough. And you're like, God, how long are we going to do this? And then we go, you want to get married? Form a habit of joy before you enter into holy matrimony. Form a habit of joy in your singleness. Form a habit that I'm going to trust the Lord in all situations. The next time you get fired, praise party about it. Come on. The next time someone curses you out, bless that person. Come on. Get your eyes on where your help comes from. Get your eyes on what God did for you. Stop being always mad. Stop making every excuse. Look, you don't understand my life. And it's not a circumstance. It's not a thing. It's not happiness. It's joy. God wants to give you joy. You know, we bring glory to God when we realize that his glory comes through us bringing joy to him on this earth. Through walking in joy, we bring glory to God. We bring honor to God. You know, Jesus, when he said, I set the joy before me when I went through the cross, I always thought that was like, he set like, like a picture of me there, and he, he knew, like, oh, when I go through this cross, Jeremy's going to have life. He's going to have salvation. But, but salvation isn't the end. Salvation's really just the beginning. Yeah. I believe that when Jesus set the joy before him, because it doesn't tell us what it was, what was he looking at? I kind of believe he was looking at the end of the movie. You know, like he's sitting in the movie, and he's already watched it, and he's like sitting there with you, and, and you're crying. You're like, oh, everyone's going to die. It's not going to work out. Oh, man, my hero. And he's like, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it, don't worry. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you, what's wrong with you? The, the hero just died. Now he's going to raise from the dead. But don't, don't worry about it. I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to ruin your movie. And Jesus kind of ruins the movie for the disciples. He kind of like, you know, he, he has a hard time. He's like, ah, oh, let me tell you the ending. Spoiler alert. And he reads this, he reads this to them, he says, he says in Matthew chapter, 
chapter 25, verse 31, he says, when the son of man comes, this is like the end, this is when all the things work out and everything goes crazy. When the son of man comes, not, not like how he was on the cross, when he comes back, not weak and defeated, like a lot of religion has put Jesus on the cross and he's all skinny and all that. No, no, when he comes back in all of his power, when I come back, when he says, when, when the son of man comes back in all his glory and all the angels are with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. Now, that may, that may not mean much to you, but just picture with me. You know, that, that, what's your favorite movie? You know, the, the, the part that just, I mean, there's so many explosions. Your brain's like, I can't handle anymore. I don't even know. If something else explodes, if someone else saves the day, I don't even know what to do. It's just that moment. Revelations 5.11 says it this way. Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. This is, this is John's revelation of heaven. He's getting this revelation. He said, there were so many angels. Here's how we can count them. 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. Okay? And then he says next, those were the ones encircling the throne. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've ever seen 100 million of anything, but John like was messed up by just the angels that were sitting around the throne. I don't know how many angels are in the rest of heaven, but this is just the throne. Just the number around the throne was a hundred million angels. Now let's go back to Matthew. When the son of man comes in his glory. Now this, this reads in the original language, all his glory. There is, there's moments where God invaded this earth throughout the Bible and throughout history where some of his glory showed up. We call them revivals. We call them, wow, God is doing something. We, we, we look at the scriptures and we see that God showed up to the temple in one of the verses and the priest couldn't even do their job. Like the glory of God hit the place. What's it gonna be like when God shows up in all his glory? What is, what is, all, what is, what is all God's glory? I don't even know what that looks like. I, don't, I was freaked out when, when uh, SpaceX launched their satellite. I don't know if that happened to y'all. I was driving on the freeway and all of a sudden my wife's asleep and I woke her up. I woke up all my kids. I said, there's aliens. I, don't, I, I know I, I have preached against this. There's aliens. I, film it, get your kid. I'm trying to film while driving 65 on the freeway. People are pulling over. We're all freaking out. I'm at the coffee shop. I'm saying, what's happened? They said, oh, th that's not aliens. It's, it's SpaceX. I'm like, oh, okay, I feel dumb, but thank you for telling me that because I was nervous. I was like looking for it in the Bible or something. I mean, that was like SpaceX. That was like a shuttle. What's going to happen when God splits the sky open and he comes in all his glory? What's that going to look like? And then behind him, are all his angels, not just the hundred million around the throne, all of them. Have you ever seen a hundred million plus? I haven't. But at that moment, I'm gonna be like, I don't, I don't know. I probably won't be able to pull out my phone. I... Let, me, let me ask you this. At that moment, how big is the fact that your boss fired you? At that moment, how big is the fact that they rejected you? They talk bad about you. Oh, they, they got a new roommate. In that moment, how, how are you caring about rating them on Yelp? I mean, at that moment, are you worried about the offering message went too long and you're offended at this word? At that moment, do you care about anything? At that moment, you're like, 
I'm undone. I, I, I don't even, I don't have words. Why? Because our stuff here is, this is not our home, folks. The next time you get all worried about this life, stop and check yourself and say, man, I don't, I'm not, I'm an alien of this place. Everything I'm doing is just but a vapor that's going to echo through all of eternity. And God's got my back. Now I want you to picture that same thing. You're like, dude, who am I? I'm just this. I mean, you feel so small in that moment. You, you don't want to move. Something could kill you. I mean, you don't, you don't even know what to do. And you feel so insignificant. And then God speaks. And he says your name. He says, son, daughter, come in. Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. All of a sudden, you didn't care if you were married or single. You didn't care if anybody was proud of you. All of a sudden, you hear your father's words. You don't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. But he just wrecks you. The bigness of his power, loving the smallness of you, messes you up. That is the joy of our salvation. My daughter, she's five. She's amazing. My son, he's four. He's amazing too. I love them to death, I, they're, but they're uniquely different. My daughter, she is so smart in scholastics. She is very good. My son, he's street smart, right? <laughs> in other words, my son is me. My daughter's my wife. Praise God. And my daughter, I mean, my, my wife tried to spell things to me, and I just, I am not good at spelling. I'm writing a book, but I'm just praying the Lord helps me through it. Amen? I am not good at it. And my daughter, my wife will try to spell things so the kids won't hear, right? And I'm like, kind of, I'm like, wait, can you respell that? Like, she's, and then she'll just say it. I said dog. I mean, come on. Can you not? And, and, and then now my daughter, if not to rub it in, is like, she said dog, dad. Like, she knows what she said. I'm like, why are you spelling? She can read. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why she can read, but, and she's super smart. Now, now let's fast forward. She's 16 years old right? 16 years old. She's not dating. She just goes on dates with her dad. She's 16 years old and she's in school. She's gotten, she's blown every class in a good way. She's just advanced. She's in the, and she, and she gets her first F. She didn't study. She was stayed up late. She was goofing off. She didn't study. She gets her first F. She's weeping, crying. She's like, I feel so embarrassed. She's like, I gotta tell my dad. He's gonna be so mad at me. He's gonna be angry. And she comes and, and she shares with me. In fact, before she can get to me, her teacher gets to me. And she said, Dad, I gotta, and I said, I know. Your teacher called me today. I, don't, I guess you were goofing off and you just ignored what you had to do. And she says, what are you gonna do to me? I said, I've got it planned. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go to ice cream. Then right after that, we're gonna go get you some new shoes. I know you've been, there's some shoes you've been wanting and I, I know they're expensive, but we're gonna, we're gonna put it on the credit card and praise God, he's gonna help us pay it off. And then right after that, you know that really gushy movie that I won't go with you to? I'm gonna go with you to it and we're gonna watch it, the whole thing. I'm gonna cry with you. We're gonna have a great time. It's gonna be awesome. And then after that, I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna buy you a new dress and then we'll go home. And my daughter's like, what the, like, wait, did you hear me? I said, I got an F. I didn't get an A, I got an F. And I said, oh, I know. I just want to show you the grace that my dad gave me. When I was lost and I got F's and I failed 
and he should have punished me, but his mercy came in and gave me a new way, and he loved me. Now, when my daughter goes back to school, her friends are going to go, what happened? Did your dad punish you? Did you? Are you grounded for two weeks? Do you still have your phone? She's like, you'll never believe it. My dad bought me a new phone. He took me to ice cream. He took me to the movie. Then he loved on me some more. And, the, and, and they're going to go, what the heck? I want a dad like you. I want your dad to be my dad. Exactly. As soon as you see what God did for you on the cross, and you get the joy of your salvation, no matter what grades you've got, no matter what you've brought them, all of a sudden, all this crap that we're all worried about doesn't really matter so much. That's why the Bible says, return to the joy of your salvation. Return to the joy. God should have gave us an F. We should have been punished, but God said, I'm taking you to the movies. And all of a sudden, when you honor that thing that God did in your life through joy, all your friends are going, man, I What's up with your family? How'd you get a dad like that? How'd you get a dad that, and all of a sudden they're like, man, can I come, like, can you, can he adopt me? And you're like, actually, yeah, it says in the Bible, you've been adopted as sons and daughters of the most high God. In fact, I was adopted as well. And he has the same love for you. And he did the same thing for you. And he wants to honor you. Look, this is our joy, guys. Don't let anybody rob your joy. Don't let anybody take away that your dad is a good dad. He's a good God. He's got your front. He's got your back. He's got the top. He's got the bottom. Start saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a habit of joy. I'm going to have a habit of joy. You know, all through the Bible, I see joy breaking out. I, I actually, I didn't know how many times it was in the Bible. So I did my little word search on my little computer, and it popped up hundreds of scriptures about joy. I, I grabbed a few of them because I, I, don't, I don't think many of us have seen the kind of joy that is talked about in this Bible. I'm just going to throw a few of these out. You can take notes or... First Chronicles says in chapter 16, verse 27, it says that God and joy are, are not at odds. It says that his splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are his dwelling place. Did you know your God dwells? He lives in joy? If to all those that think God is mad, God is like, God, God doesn't live in anger. God lives in joy. Your God dwells in joy. Maybe this is why we're like, man, God, I don't feel your presence. Well, God's like, I don't live in that. I live in joy. I live in, and when you've created a habit of joy, you've created a habit of having me in your life. Psalms 27 tells us that joy is a part of sacrifice. He says, then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. You say, why do you tell us that? Because some of you, and, and sometimes in my life, I've thought it would be easy to, to walk in joy. But joy is going to take some sacrifice. To those that are naturally this way, it's going to take some time to keep, keep getting your eyes onto what God is doing instead of what you've been looking at. It's going to take some practice over and over. Look, look. People who change the world don't necessarily always do extraordinary things. They just do ordinary things well. Ordinary days. The heroes of the Bible, they didn't even know that their day had come in the days they walked. David thought he was bringing a lunch to his, his brothers. The small boy had a lunch as well, but he fed 15,000. 
David that day was going to be a giant. It's people who do ordinary things with great passion and great excellence. When you get fired from your job, it's when you say, God, I'm going to have joy in this moment. Not just when the choir is singing. Not just when the band is playing. God, I'm going to focus on who you are. And I know you don't leave me. You don't forsake me. And this is a sacrifice of praise right now because this is costing me. Because my natural reaction is to get angry, is to get frustrated. Let me tell you this, nobody else makes us angry. Anger comes from one place, inside. It's always an inside job. You will do yourself a good thing to figure this out in singleness. Because when you get married, you will spend the rest of your life in the thing called the blame game. It was you who did it. You made me frustrated. You made me angry. You made me like, as soon as you go, man, God, happiness, joy is an inside job. God, I'm going to have joy in all circumstances. I'm going to have joy in all situations, in all seasons. Look, Psalms 30 says this, 3011, to all those who are wearing the latest trends, joy is actually clothing. He said, you have turned my wailing into dancing. You have removed my sackcloth and clothe me in joy. God wants to clothe you in joy. Come on. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you put on should be your joy. Don't leave your house naked tomorrow. Put on joy. Put on the joy in the Lord. God, I'm putting on joy today, and ain't nobody going to take this outfit off me. This clothing was given to me by the king. Psalms 45.7 says that God wants to anoint you with joy. Psalms 47.5 says that God has ascended amongst shouts of joy. In other words, God ascends and descends on joy. In other words, joy is the runway for God to land in your life. If you got God to descend and land in your life, joy is what he needs for you to pave in your life. Psalms 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Salvation has to be reminded over and over again. Psalms 98.4. Shout for joy to the Lord. Again, joy is a command, not an option. Proverbs 14.10. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. You cannot let someone else share the joy inside your heart. They have to get their own. Right? So you can't make me happy, and you can't make me depressed. It's an inside job. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord will return to Zion. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will be crowned on their head. God describes joy like a crown he wants to put on your head. When do you get crowns? When you conquer things. You might have to conquer this habit you have with Jesus to get that crown. Gladness and joy will overtake them. I love that. God's saying joy is pursuing you. It's it's like you're like running and it just keeps catching you. Go, I got you. And then you go, I'm getting out of here. Then Joy goes, I got you again. I got you again. God's saying, look, just give up. Just just tap out on this. Because my joy is going to keep pursuing you until it overtakes you. Jeremiah 15, 6 says, there will be joy in my heart's delight. When, and then he says, when, when your words came, I ate them and they gave me joy. So God's word's going to give you joy. Luke 2.10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy. Have you ever seen that in the Bible? We always talk about the good news of Jesus. But when the angel came, he brought good news and he called Jesus great joy. Wow. 
John 16, 21. A woman giving birth, childbirth, has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets her anguish because of her joy. That child is born into the world. Joy is going to remove your pain. Joy is going to disassociate your pain from the memory. I, I know that some of you want joy and you want pain, but you cannot have them both. When joy comes, pain the memory of pain will have to leave. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. To all my Pentecostals out there, they weren't just filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy. God wants to fill you with joy. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to give us joy. Come on, if you want that kind of joy, I want you to stand up to your feet. We're going to make a choice today. We're going to change our habits today. Come on, would you just lift your hands? Come on, joy. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.